Y'all aware of the phrase, up your game? What's it mean to up your game? Something Ohio State didn't do yesterday, yes. The Michigan did, though, right? Gregory, Gregory, uh, it's okay. But the game yesterday, as much as, uh, you know, it does sadden me because I was on the losing side of this deal, right, like most of us. I noticed Wilkinson's not here today. Imagine that. He's a Michigan fan, in case you didn't know. Stop. As much as I'm on the downside of that, um, you do get to see or did get to see the difference yesterday between a team that can up their game when it's time and a team that does not. And there is a profound difference there. And we got to see it literally on a scoreboard, right? But that occurs also in other parts of our lives. It occurs sometimes in our our work life. You can see which groups of people really are committed to achieving and which ones kind of phone it in sometimes. You can see it when you're putting together a school play or a musical, which students are really deeply involved and engaged and their whole hearts are in it and which ones are kind of, yeah, mom's making me do it. There's a difference between people who are able to and are passionate enough about something to up their game, to really give all of who they are over to something, even if it's just for a moment or for a season or a specific time frame, there's a big difference between those and those who in our lives do not choose to up their games. And I've been in both places. I've been in places where I'm I'm in, let's go, giddy up, and I'm ready to run through brick walls. And I have been through things where I'm like, ah, if I could just get through this and survive, I'll be okay. It's called calculus, right? If I can just get through that and survive, I'll be okay. Sometimes, though, you do have to up your game just to survive, right? If you're in the midst of a difficult or a challenging time when adversity is against you, that's when you really find out if you're ready to up your game. As we finish out our series on the Shema, I want us to understand that this phrase, as we've talked about many times, and we're going to read it together here in a a second again, but as we've talked about it, this prayer was designed to have the people of God at least twice a day, morning and evening, focus completely, utterly, and totally on what it meant to follow the Lord. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's very much a call to up your game, to up your game to engage in your faith with all of who you are, to engage in pursuing God with all of who you are. And so let's, let's read together. Let's read the Shema together. Are you all ready? All right, pop it up on the screen. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. As we've gone through the words, the first one we looked at and the first start of this was Shema. It's that first word, listen. What does it mean to to listen to God? It means more than just hearing words and having them bounce around inside your head. It means actively choosing to try to hear from Him and then doing something with it. That word listen inherently has this connection to actually obeying, actually doing what God's asking us to do. 
Then we, we looked at the Lord, our God, Yahweh, that, that word of how it encompasses this creator who's been here since the very beginning and will be here at the very end, who is the same God as we just sang, right? He's always been present. He's always been answering prayers. His spirit has always been upon the earth, right? From the very beginning of time, and it will always be here. That's, that's what the Lord means, the one who's always been, the one who always will be, and the one who is right now, right? And then we looked at heart, what it means to have our desires, our will, and our affections focused on the pursuit of God. And then we looked at our soul, our very being, that expression of what it means to be focused on God. And today, this last word we're going to look at is strength. This word strength is actually meod. How many of you have learned any Hebrew this time around? The word is meod, and it, it is one of the few places in the Old Testament where it's translated here as strength. It's rarely translated as strength anywhere else. And it's in there 367 times, I believe. But it's only this time. In some translations, it's literally only this time. In some English translations, you might see it one or two other times, but it is almost never translated as strength anywhere else. Most often, it's used as an adverb. It's used as an intensifier. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, as God creates, and each day he creates something, and at the end of the day, it says he saw it and it was good. But at, as he gets to chapter 1, verse 31 of Genesis, he says it was very good. It was meod good. If you look at Numbers Chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, were among those who scouted out the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. In fact, that's a meod, meod good land. It's used there twice in a row. The notion is very simple. It's designed to convey this, this great abundance of the land that God was about to set their eyes on, that they have seen, and they're hoping that the people of God are all going to go see with them. And if you remember, as they were describing how wonderful this land was, they were the only two of, this, of the spies that went in to look around, or the scouts that went in to look around, they were the only two that said, this is a beautiful land and it's worth fighting for. The other ones were scared of what they might encounter. Joshua and Caleb were ready to up their game because it was an extremely, it was a meod, meod, good land. This is God's promise being fulfilled. This is him showing us that he can do what he says he's going to do, and he said this is ours, and we need to go get it. And the others chose not to up their game. They ran scared. In the Shema, as we're going through this, if the heart was the drive behind our lives, if the soul is our physical being, the living of our lives, this strength, why do you think they translated it there as strength? I think it's because in English, we don't really have a good word or a noun because it, it's used in that sentence as a noun with all your strength. It's a noun. It's a, it's a, it's a given we don't have a word for that, for very, as a noun. 
or extremely as a noun, or greatly or severely as a noun. If we look at Genesis chapter 7, verse 18, as Noah is describing the flood, it says the water surged and increased greatly. That's meod on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Or in the, the, jet, the death of King Josiah in 2 Chronicles 35, 23, it says the archer shot King Josiah, and he said to his servants, take me away, for I am severely wounded. I am meod wounded. Dr. Tim Mackey, um, I, I love the way he says this. He says, look, it's really hard for us to understand this word as it's used here, this word strength, what it means in this context of the Shema. And he says, I think we'd be better off to say, love the Lord your God with all your very, all your extremely. And the word he uses is all your muchness. Love the Lord your God with all your muchness. If you've ever seen um, Bambi and Thumper is talking to Bambi about being Twitterpated, right? You know what Twitterpated means? It's that feeling you get when you're in love and your heart's going really fast and, and, and your adrenaline's pumping really high and you don't know what to do with it. That, that word, if you break it down, it actually means to be excited in the head. Excited in the head. It's a question of this, this, this concept of being Twitterpated or being excited or being loving the Lord your God with all your muchness is about whether or not you're willing to let the Spirit of God move you in a way that allows you to throw off all your, all your constraints, all of those fears that hold you back, all of the concerns that you have that He might not come through because He will to move forward in faith in a way that you cannot possibly imagine without that kind of Twitter-pated, kind of excited feeling. I love it when God calls me to do something I don't know how to do. Do I get scared? Yes. Do I get abundantly nervous? Yes. Do I sometimes back down? I do. But what I should do is up my game. What I should do is go all in. And in those times when I do, it's not in the moment that I recognize what he's doing. It's often afterwards where I go, oh, he let me do this. He let me be a part of what's happening in the hearts and minds of, of someone else. He let me be present while he was healing somebody. He let me just, just be there, right? Watching him work. How many of you yesterday were uh, passionate watching said game that we shall not name? In either direction, passionately excited or passionately angry? Ang I know the majority will probably be angry, but if you were passionate watching said game, I would ask you, did you walk in today with that kind of passion towards what could happen here? Mm, I heard a lot of moans and groans. So we have, a, we have a capacity to invest our passions in things like a football game. 
But if we're really loving the Lord our God with all of our muchness, shouldn't we be able to invest that kind of passion in what He is doing? In being present with Him. Can you imagine if people walked in here and we all had our faces painted and we were waving flags? Don't do that. Please don't come with face paint. <laughs> Whole other discussion. But, I mean, if you come with face paint, I'll be, I'll be rooting for you. Just be prepared for other people to go, what in the wild world is Because that's what happens when you're crazy about something. When you're so crazy about your significant other, you're willing to fall all over yourself trying to show them love. When you're so crazy about a sports team, you're willing to put on clothes. You're willing to go out and spend money on clothes to buy clothes that says Ohio State on the front. You're willing to spend all kinds of money to go to a game. You're willing to set aside all kinds of your time and energy to get ready to watch said game. How many of you yesterday prepped food and had kind of to get-togethers where you had people watch together? We put effort into that. We put energy into that. We put passion into that. Do we put the same thing into the work God is calling us to? Whether that be on Sunday morning or that be tomorrow night at Daily Bread Do we carve out extra time to say, I will be there. I will find a way to be there. It requires us, if we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our muchness, to recognize that He is the only thing at the end of the day that's really worth getting that passionate about. And full confession, if you'd have grabbed me 15 years ago, My wife would have said, I don't know, he disappears on football game days. Can't find him. Because I'm sitting in front of the TV, or I'm at a friend's house, or I might have been at a bar, watching the game, setting aside my time. But yesterday, I didn't watch it at all. I turned it on in the fourth quarter. About halfway through, I looked at the score on my phone. I didn't even turn it on. I looked at it on my phone, and I went, well... Glad I didn't spend my time doing that. But you know, I've never said that when I've invested in something God is calling me to do. I've never said, I'm glad I didn't do what he asked me to do. Part of Giving all of our muchness to God means submitting much of who we are to Him. One of our goals for next year, our vision for next year, is to be better out than in, to become a church that asks first, not second, not third, but first, how does this expand the kingdom of God? That's a very, very hard place to get to, to put that question first, to put God first first because it means who else is second me or maybe even I'm third or maybe even I'm fourth in fact I would say probably God others right then me that's that's what it it calls us to do 
It's easy for us to get to the place of, of asking how something we do or we, we like, how it benefits us, and we're willing to put in all kinds of effort to do something that benefits us. But are we willing to put in that kind of effort to the things that God is trying to do? In Romans chapter 7, verse 4, Paul says to the Romans, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. You may belong to him who raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. Do you hear that? He raised from the dead for what purpose? So that we may bear fruit for God because we belong to who? Him. We are His. We are not our own. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of a constant struggle for me. I want to try to be my own. When the truth is, once I made a decision to say, you are my Lord and you are my King, I became His. I belong to Him. And the truth is, as a body of believers, the church, the church exists so that we can bear fruit and bear witness for him. It doesn't exist for me. And it doesn't exist for you. It exists so that we can do his work and do it better. Because he knows we're better together. We just get blessed along the way by engaging in what he's calling us to do. To be with, to love the Lord with all of our muchness means to be as compassionate as we possibly could be. We talked about being passionate. We talked about being submissive. But compassion should also drive us because it's what drove the Lord. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34, it says, As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting on the road, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd demanded that they keep quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped, called to them, and said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said to him, open our eyes, and moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they could see, and they followed him. Time and time again, his heart and his arms were open wide to the lowest, the least, and the lost are ours. Are our arms open wide to the lowest, the least, and the lost? One of our goals for next year is to have 80% of Gretna's people actively and regularly involved in mission and outreach. Are we compassionate enough to do that? Because it's, truthfully, it's, it's Jesus' compassion that led him to save us from ourselves, right? He, in some ways, felt and still feels sorry for us being broken, being unable to earn our own way into heaven, to be next to the Lord our Father for all of eternity. And he said, with compassion, because of compassion, 
He reaches down and reaches out. There are so many opportunities for us to to work with daily bread tomorrow. There's the winter warm-up coming up. There are recovery groups that we're hoping to launch here for those who are the least, the lowest, and the lost, who are dealing with challenges and difficulties. There's Buckeye Gospel Barn. If you need to, we're looking for something to do. I'm sure Deb could find you something to do at Buckeye Gospel Barn as they, they feed those who are in need in the Quincy area and as they clothe those who are in need and they help those who are struggling just to make it because they have compassion. What about your neighbor? What about the guy on the side of the road? Do we have compassion for them? Are we willing to stop and hear their story as Jesus did? Are we willing to reach out to them because we have compassion and help them to be healed by introducing them to somebody we know named Jesus? We have opportunities to be compassionate each and every day, especially as we enter this holiday season. The world is watching us. If we want to be loving the Lord our God with all of our muchness, we need to be much about what God is doing. Much about taking opportunities and showing compassion just as he did and does show us. It means if we're going to love the Lord our God with all of our muchness, it means to be committed One of our other goals, and yes, I'm going through all of our goals next year because I want to make sure that they're in front of us. One of our goals is to build connections, to develop intimate relationships with one another and with our mission partners, committing to add value to the work God has called others to do. Notice how that's not adding value to the work I want to do or even what God wants to do with me in my particular mission but it's to say that I'm also here to help others in their mission. I'm here to help them grow, knowing that God has an equal call on their lives that it has on mine. Not everybody is called to stand up here under these really hot lights and talk. Some of you are going, but I guarantee God's got a mission for you. I guarantee he is calling you. He is whispering in your ear for you to do something to bring glory to him. To help others be healed, not just once or not just once in a while, but often. It means to love the Lord our God with all of our muchness means to be sacrificial. Our last goal for the year for next year is this. It's to invest in the future, make significant strides in transforming our worship gatherings into a place where the next generation wants to be engaged by the Holy Spirit. How many of you noticed it got darker today? How many of you went, why is it getting darker today? Okay. It's an experiment. It's an experiment to see how we can be more or be much about God when we walk through the door here. 
There's plenty of studies out there that show if you turn out the lights, that people are focused on the only place there is light. There might be a theology lesson in that one too. People are focused on where the lights are and they naturally draw their attention. And I don't want more people staring more closely at me, but I do want them staring at the cross. I do want them to engage in the, in the, in the music and listen to the songs and, and, and read the words and sing along out loud because the truth is, if it's dark, nobody else can see who's singing out of key if you're singing out of key. They can't tell that you're clapping out of rhythm. It should make you braver to do it anyways, to make much of your God because those are the fears that keep us from making much of our God. Jesus sacrificed his life for us and for those who come after us. And it's not enough to encourage, if, it's, if that's not enough to encourage muchness in our service of him, to be sacrificial in our service of him because of those who are coming up after us, what is? The truth is, when you read the Shema, he says to love me, the creator of all things from the beginning to the end, the Lord our God, listen to me. Love me with all your desires and all your affections and all your drive. Love me with your, with your soul, with the way you be, the way you live out your life, the decisions you make, the places you go, the people you talk to, the way you demonstrate or shine the light and do it with a lot of muchness. Go big. Up your game. Dial it up. Pull out the trick plays that we should have pulled out yesterday. Show good sportsmanship. Yes, good sportsmanship matters too. Point is, God was willing to die for you and me. He is willing to, was willing to be tortured, to be led down the street and ridiculed and things probably thrown at him and spit at him. He, he, was, he was willing to be beaten and to wear a crown of thorns. He was willing to hang on a cross between two criminals. That's not the definition of the, how far he was willing to go, how much he was willing to live out his faith. I don't know what would be. And for most of us, he's not calling us to go through all that. But he is calling for us to do much in his name because it is worthy. Because he is our Lord and he is our Savior. There are so many places that we could make a difference in the world. We just have to choose to be much about him and not about ourselves. Amen? And amen. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I believe our quartet or, or talent offering, Madeline, is going to come up and play our talent offering. Right? Come on, girl. She's nervous. She'll be okay. Let's pray. Father God, 
We desire to be much about you. It's hard, though, sometimes for us to, to set aside ourselves, to set aside things that we find ourselves being passionate about that really have very little to do with you. It's strange how those things can kind of take our hearts when the truth is the call is for our hearts to be only focused on you. Lord, as we, as we come to you and as we, we walk out of here in the coming moments, I pray that we will have both the courage and the humility to say, Lord, not my will but yours be done. That we might be people who are much about you. That we go where you ask us to go, we do what you ask us to do, because we know it deep down inside that we will never look back in that and go, man, that was a waste of my time. Because serving you could never be such. Thank you, Lord, for your compassion, your willingness to up your game, to go all the way despite the fact that we did not and do not deserve it. But because you love us, Open our hearts so that we might love you the same. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.